today I welcome Cheyenne on the show. So first, thanks to her, thanks to Evan. Well, let's do it again. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, today I welcome Cheyenne on the show. Uh, so first, thanks to have accepted my invitation. No, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Du coup, Cheyenne, yes, in French, of course. Uh, if you should resume your path in three minutes, how you will do that? I'm a software engineer turned indie hacker. So a quick background about me and like how I ended up being on this podcast is that I left my job last September um, to, I, I left a full-time job to build a product of my own. And I started building a marketplace initially and switched to a different, an entirely different product, which ended up being a internal tool for that marketplace that I turned into an actual product of it own, which is Locksnag. And then I've been building it for the past year, pretty much. I started in January, launching, launching late, late April, and now we're here, it's December. Um, and Martin is one of the folks who reached out. To, I don't know how we ended up to, uh, meeting, but I know I, oh, maybe I found your product first because I use Capacitor to build my mobile app. And then Martin has a great um, <laughs> sort of like, he has an open source product and then it's managed service on top of Capacitor, which solves a massive issue with sending updates to Apple, um, to the App Store, as was Android Market. Uh, but they're, they're much quicker and we're doing reviews. We'll, we'll get to these. But yeah, pretty much um, started building Logsnag and then met Martin, Martin and he's, he's been using the product um, yeah. for the past few months. And we've been just chatting um, on Discord about like, hey, how can I make your life easier? And talking about Capacitor and a bunch of different stuff in this whole thing. So that's how we met. And that's how I'm here because of my product and just deciding to build um, build an indie product in, in public on Twitter. Yeah. So that's pretty much a, a really short. It wasn't three minutes. But it was really no, short. no, no. It, it was cool. It was cool. Um, what you were doing uh, before starting your first project? You were a software engineer. And what was your... Your job. You were in big team. You were in startup. No, I I work for the government um, as a like a government contractor mm. for about a year and a half. Um, worked on a bunch of different projects. A, I'm trying to see which ones I should and should not get into. <laughs> I'll just talk about the stack. So yeah. So yeah, mainly used like Python and Go, um, and most of it was backend stuff. And back there. I started like picking up a lot, a little front end to see like, hey, we need a dashboard for this. So let me just see how I can build a dashboard with React or Next. And that's how I started learning a little front end and build a couple of websites here and there. Um, but but the job was pretty much a small team. I was like a software engineer in a team of cybersecurity people. Okay. So um, it was a really interesting dynamic, but a really great team. Um, learned learned a lot back there. And then I was just looking for for like doing more, you know what I'm saying? Like, like things move a little slowly back, like at jobs like that. And then I, I wanted to like explore different things, build stuff with much more creative control than I wanted. So that's where I like hit the, um, what is the word for it? I sent in the, the, the mail and was like, hey, I'm going to be quitting by the end of this month. And at the time I had no idea what I wanted to do. Oh, that's that's interesting. You just wanted to quit and uh, and go to your own things, right? Yeah, there were there was a couple of things that came up like at the job, um, mainly moving back to office and then 
doing um, again I'm not sure how much of this I can share but a couple of things came up and uh, it, it was like the best time to either switch jobs or or just like leave entirely you know it was like yeah. the period where teams were changing up projects were changing up and like you wanted to stay like till the end of a product or a project so you, you have like completed most of most of the things that you required to do and then I was crazy enough to be like hey let me just go build some stuff and just went with it yeah yeah we launched in the same time by the way i just realized that when you were presenting yourself like uh in january this year <laughs> that's that's really oh really yeah. you launched in january uh the so it, it's funny. not the Go not ahead. the business part the business part had launched in march but the first uh, open source uh, tool was in january the 13th of january wow that's awesome yeah um so it's funny. Uh, the way it came to me was I was building that marketplace with a co-founder of mine. And I was just mainly like posting about it on Discord and Reddit because it was targeted towards a really small niche, which are pilots here in the U.S. Okay. So anyone who's either a pilot or who wants to become a pilot, we just build a marketplace to connect these folks together. And I didn't know anything about Twitter and this whole like, well, I, I knew about Twitter, of course, but not this like building public community, community yeah. and like the indie hacker community. Yeah, so once I started to make that pivot around January or a little before January, that's where I was like, let me put up a landing page and see how it goes. Um, I was mainly doing a little outreach on Reddit. I posted up the landing page there and I got a lot of um, people who were really interested in the product and they signed up on the wait list. But then I didn't post anything into Twitter till like maybe like the second week of January, I forgot. And then I had like 70 followers back then. And then it randomly got picked up by a couple of big accounts. And they either commented or retweeted a couple of them. And I was like, wow, this Twitter thing is, is really interesting. So let me just like keep on talking about talking about this product as I build it. Um, and that's how I got into like that whole um, yeah. building public thing. What what uh, make you pivot to the e-commerce uh, platform to, to Logsnack? So you quit the previous project, right? No, the project's still going. Okay. Um, it's what I like to say. It's on autopilot, <laughs> uh, meaning like I don't really do much with it. It just works. It brings in traffic from Google okay. because it's like basically designed on to work with SEO in terms of like market acquisition. So it brings a lot of traffic from SEO, and people just find other people that are creating an account and then just reach out and do their thing. Um, we're just pretty much a middleman and we're not charging anything. But the main reason was um, it was it was growing pretty good. But then the thing was that I, I wasn't really interested in this market. You know, I'm not a pilot. Yeah. I don't know much about it. And I feel like if I put the same amount of energy into something that I was that I would be using myself, it would make it much easier to grow and find pain points and do things differently than how it's currently be done, because like everything that I wanted to do for that marketplace would have been a, like would have required research. You know what I'm saying? I mean, everything requires yeah. research, but for example, I didn't know how people did very trivial things that we know, like I know how developers do things, right? So then I had to go and reach out to them, talk to them on Discord um, and just interview like five people asking what they want. Yeah, I and have got the same as you when I'm building CupGo, right? there are no... I don't need to ask much people because I'm <laughs> I see the bugs myself or what I need, and that's how I build it at the beginning. So I totally understand this point, and uh, you are the same in looks like. Yeah, pretty much that. Like just just knowing or having a better experience, 
with the target audience or even being like if you're part at this point i'd say like if you're a part of your own target audience <laughs> first of all you know who to reach out which is like a massive advantage right i have friends who are who would be kind of people who would be using the lock snag right now which i, I don't think i've even introduced which is funny um but yeah I know people who would be using this and I'm a, I'm a person who would be using the product. So I have a much better understanding of like who to target, what to provide to them and how the thing should work versus like going into like something very blindly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was like one of the main reasons just trying to find something better. But then um, how it started is that I built an internal version of Logsnag initially and then it wasn't supposed to be a product of its own. It was just because I couldn't find an alternative while building the marketplace. And it helped us a lot. And I showed it to friends and like other developers that I knew. I was like, hey, this is how I am Handling um, the... tracking these events. And it, this is how like it helps me to do customer support and stuff like that. And they were like, oh, I can also use this in for my product. And this would help me or simplify this, this process that we have um, internally. So I, I saw something there that could have turned into its own product and it had like some sort of traction from early on, like before before I even had a public product yeah. to, to launch. So that's kind of like the second reason why I was like, okay, maybe this is a better route to go. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I got to be the same experience with uh, with Capgo where it was a big issue on Capacitor GitHub and everyone was complaining about the not able, able to update the app easily and without uh, paying a lot. Uh, and on on the on on this uh, GitHub things, I was like, just eh, maybe I will try to do it. And I didn't even say I will do it. Like I just say I, I'm trying because I'm annoyed too and it's enough. And the people told me like, yeah, if you do it, we're gonna pay like straight <laughs> without asking anything. I was like, ooh. That smell good. <laughs> that smell product market fit <laughs> before doing anything. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's how I also found your um I think I found it on GitHub. But yeah, like the, the, the capacitor solution to remote updates. What what is the proper technical word for it? Is it push? Is it uh I think I, I, I unique use live update. Um uh, for a moment, I have uh, used instant update. There are hot code push update also. I, I don't know really the what name. What I use right now for SEO, it's live was, update. This is the best uh, search one. Live update. Yeah. Okay. I, I wonder, I was thinking of the, t the, the term that Expo uses. Do you know which one they're using? Uh, I think remote push or something, right? Let me check. But don't worry about it. It's nothing. No, 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 no. That's interesting because I, I'm uh, using a lot of Expo as an example because the Ionic is targeting uh, the the IN market where Expo is targeting the same market as me, but for React Native. So I was uh, I was uh, curious. You make me curious. Develop update. Yeah, I've only used it like just to set up a set example project. Um, that's why I'm, I don't recall it exactly, but I think it was something like remote push or something. Or maybe that, I've heard that in another context. Yeah, I, I think... Update, they call it that. Yeah, update. Yes, update. Instant update. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's why that, that's why I was using this well also, <laughs> because it was the from day copy. That's uh, definitely uh, I've uh, I've learned a lot from what they were doing, 
and uh, and use uh, the same kind of wording and everything because uh, yeah that that is important for like kind of going after that search market because if you like introduce your own unique words um no one's searching for it yeah and it's it's pointless but yeah no no i remember like you're i think you're also getting a lot of traffic from github repositories or github account because that's how i found it i was looking for setting this up for myself and the one that capacitor offers is too expensive i forgot what the pricing was Two, but it was 2, like mainly targeted towards yeah yeah something that that just didn't make sense for like indie product yeah. products like as a if i were like a big startup funded it funded startup or even a um enterprise then that would be totally fine but then as in like an indie product or a small product that was just too expensive too and for like a yeah i don't know like if they're offering anything that that justifies the cost or it's just that they put whatever price tag that they want on it i'm not sure mm. That's that's an interesting question. For, uh, I have talked with them, and definitely they target the big corporate markets. So, what they give provide you, it's mostly having a salesperson who can answer to anything, and so you have uh, your baby sisters if you need it, where, which is not the case with me. <laughs> I am helping, but I am not uh, your baby sister, and uh, after I think because they are alone on the market that allow them to do a bigger price but they they don't do the live update alone you know they don't sell the live update alone they sell it with the CICD they provide you so the CICD is usually expensive for mobile apps so I'm yeah I'm the in between two shares <laughs> on this uh, they could definitely split it oh. and give only the live update but they don't want that they they told me Okay, I see. So the CICD part is indeed expensive. Yeah. Um, I learned this when I wanted to build, when I wanted to set up my CICD on GitHub Actions yeah. for for the Electron app, and building like a Mac macOS container there is like ten times the cost of a normal yeah. um, I think Linux box, and then Windows is like two times, five times. I forgot what the number was, but there's like multiple. So like. Each build of mine ended up being like th three to five bucks, I think. Like each time I wanted to build a desktop app for different platforms, um, it ended up being quite expensive. Uh, yeah. So yeah, if, if you do that like, on every commit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you don't want to do that on every commit. Um, but at least if, if you're like trying to do a build on every commit, you should like s kind of simple, what is it, limited to a specific like build target yeah. don't build for every like platform um but yeah i that makes sense i didn't know they they, they add the cicd but then cicd for capacitors shouldn't be too is it too bad yeah because you build not um, probably you, you because build they're the running iOS. xcode right, right. Mm. yeah so you yeah that's fair it's definitely i, I saw that with the um, capgo uh, i have the cicd automate automatizer for ios and android and um I am using a lot of uh, GitHub Action Minutes. Hopefully, I am open source, so it's free and unlimited, <laughs> weirdly. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, it's very costly. I've seen... Uh, yeah, you have unlimited, which is, which is awesome. For me, I remember, like, when I, I had a 3,000 limit minutes. Uh, sorry, I had 3,000 minutes for, yeah. I don't know which plan I'm on. Um, but the first 3,000 is free or something like that. 
And while I was setting up the, the CI CD, because like, it's funny, from what I've seen, most developers, when they want to set up their CI CD on GitHub, they just make like 2000 commits and then just change the line until it works. Um, at least like, that's how I've seen, yeah. I, I, at least I haven't seen anyone do it in a different way. It's just like, hey, it's, it's failing here, so let me just go change the YAML file, push again, push again, push again until it's working. Um, same thing for me, like when I was setting it up for the desktop app, I think I used like 3000 build minutes in a few hours, like the first day, just setting just it up. And I was like, yeah. wow, this is going to cost me a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, CICD is very complex. I'm very happy to do open source and then I don't care about that. But otherwise, it's like uh, you're just like uh, spending 5000 on just like having automatic, <laughs> automatic work. And you're like, mm. <laughs> Do we do it really make sense or not? <laughs> so yeah, um, one one thing I I wanted to know about uh, you and how you have built projects is like, do it's the first project you build in solo? Um, no, I've built other products before. I mean, I don't like to call them products; they're more like projects that I built. Some of them I've launched. Some of them are like just tiny weekend projects, and some I spend months on. I never launched. Um, so it's not really the first product that or, or first thing that I've built solo, but it's it's pretty much the first thing that I've gotten this far, if that makes sense. Like as far yeah. as to launching it to a large group of people, and then going through all the process of like adding building, ad building, um, actually charging people to use it, and then getting <laughs> more than a handful of people to pay for it. <laughs> so first one in that regard, um, but not the first thing I've built. Okay, yeah, that I think that's something very important for makers. Like every first product of people is like complex because you don't have you don't know the process, you don't know many things. Like as we're gonna, gonna talk later about having multiple hats when you're doing in solo, then if the first project you do in solo, like uh, you are bad at all hats, <laughs> definitely bad. So it's very hard, and uh, and then. With practice, you, you improve and you get better and you are able to do something people really like, want to pay for. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, um, pretty much a lot of time and an experience goes into it. At least like a lot of people who I've talked to who are, in this, who are trying to do the same or who've done this and they're much further than I am. Most of these people have been building, writing code and doing like, doing different things that are like that things that are included in that umbrella term that you call hat yeah um they've been doing it for years so nobody like at least from the people who i've met maybe just a couple have maybe started like two three years ago mostly have been doing this for for years now um which is like none of these is like an overnight thing nobody just woke up and i was like hey let me just build <laughs> this thing and then people start coming for it yeah yeah um, it all like for example for log snack uh, as I said, like I started learning web development back in my job. So even though I went in it with very little web experience because I'm mainly a server-side developer, I knew little. And then right before that, I was building that marketplace which, which required like web development. So I also picked up a little over there. Um, but for like, for example, the backend side of it is, is even more complicated. And that comes from like my time working with Golang, my time working with Python, building like scalable stuff. Um, all these like different things that I've did in the past that have just added up here, and I was like able to bring in different 
I don't know if calling it a skill set is the right word, but like oh, just works. bringing different yeah. experiences into one. Yeah. Um, just combining all of those and just building this thing because had I built this as my first project, it would have been a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely. <laughs> definitely agree with you. But that, that's an interesting point because it, lead, it will lead us to my main question on this podcast where uh, I, I bring you here because I wanted to know like how you can become good at every hat. And, and I, I think we, we are like nailing the, the, the answers, like the experience on previous things where you have like had a bit of experience on everything, like for example, in front end in the last project, then you were able to learn front end and not be like a, a zero beginner when you lo launch a log snag. So it makes sense. But I, I really believe there are also other secrets, like since we are only one person to do business, to do one business where you're gonna do the tech, the marketing, the design, the everything. They're also how you you build your task list, you know? Like if you were only the person of marketing, you 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 will build in a way like tasks take more times and you have more time for them for there than when we are solo. So how you decide and, and like build a task I think to to have more time my short answer to that is that there there are a bunch of things that i'm still not good at and things that i so if i group like group these skill sets that you mentioned yeah. into buckets i'd say there are three buckets maybe one are the stuff that i knew before jumping into this one are the stuff that i learned as a like for the past year or so because initially from January to late April, I didn't do much marketing aside from building in public, which was like, hey, I'm building this thing, share screenshots, share demos. That was kind of marketing, but then I then realized that that wasn't targeting the right audience. Um, so it didn't do marketing to like really late April. Okay. But then I built this, a set of like skill sets during that time. And then after that time, were things that I didn't know, I didn't know. And I started like picking them up. Um, so th those are the two different skill sets and there are now there are things that I have realized I'm not doing a good job of and then I'm planning to pick up. So there's really three things that you got to understand. And the, the biggest one that I didn't know was marketing and just doing the, the business side of things. How you how would you price your product? Yeah. How would you find the right market? Right. Because there are people who would want to use this, but not everyone wants to pay for it. And no matters what you're building. Right. Yeah. And then how do you do customer support? Because most like engineers have built products either in teams or even like solo side projects, but very rarely any of those converts to, or not that it doesn't convert to, but very rarely you have to deal with customers or, or business side of things. Because either you're building something open source that people are just like pulling, running on their own machines, um, or just serving like a simple website or or something like that. I'm not trying to downplay the, the kind of product. It's just that mainly don't, we don't really think of the business side of things which is contains those like marketing, pricing, um, and the customer support. So those are the things that I didn't know. And then I started picking up. And even to this day, there's stuff, there's a lot about it that I, I need to learn. And certainly there are things that I've done wrong. Like for example, pricing, man, pricing is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so one of like, for example, regarding pricing, one of the things I didn't know about was like, I really didn't know much about like how other people did the pricing and like, I did a lot of research into it and then kind of started figuring out, figuring it out. 
But one thing I didn't realize was that until quite late is that I'm I'm subtracting the the VAT, the VAT tax from the price that users pay me. I don't add it to the price. Oh. Which is which is very dumb because then my margins go really low based on what I'm charging, but those are not like technical or resource costs, you know, those are just taxes. Yeah. So that thing I I I I need to fix. I haven't fixed it yet. <laughs> which is which makes like the, the, the value per customer kind of like 20% lower than it should be or some percentage like that. Yeah, it's like so, it's so very variable. Is, like if you have someone from Dubai who doesn't pay taxes, then is uh, more valuable to you <laughs> than another one from US or Europe. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot like it's it just like initially it's, it's about realizing what you know and what you don't know. So you can focus more on the stuff that you don't know because again, so you don't make a mistake like what I made early on but but from what i've learned is like no matter how much research you do you end up making these mistakes like there are always things that you don't know how to do of and course just, um yeah so in regards to like time management i'm, I'm actually quite bad at time management um i, I i've been fo focusing on fixing that specifically because my my work schedule is also really messed up sometimes i work till like yeah we, we have seven in the morning and sometimes, sometimes late <laughs> i remember <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is one of the contributions. So what I do is that I have like a list of things that I want to do, but I don't really like schedule them based on. Okay, let me let me phrase it this way. I have in my to do list is mainly technical stuff. So mainly like add this thing to the to, to the client yeah. or fix this thing on a backend or redesign this part. So mainly like the technical parts of it. And then in between, I focus on marketing or, or customer support or like replying to emails. So like I want, which is like really shitty if you think yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have the same. Working. When he's building the app, I'm like, okay, I will do a marketing task. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes, some days I wake up, I'm like, today I'm not going to be a developer. <laughs> so I just do like maybe design or or customer outreach or do a little marketing here and there but yeah that is like actually one of the things i'm trying to do better um in the next couple of weeks which is like doing better time bucketing yeah. for these like non-technical tasks because just like throw maybe throw them on a on a, on a to-do list but then i only get to them when i'm not doing any technical stuff um but yeah that is something i need to fix actually which is like i'm i'm, I'm still struggling with how to properly managed time but aside from that it's just a combination of like what has the highest priority and what i feel like doing you know yeah yeah yeah. i'm totally into the what i feel like doing all the time <laughs> <laughs> so marketing doesn't happen much <laughs> in that uh, um, but for example i, I got a, a like a hacky way to do marketing like I really don't like to write articles or do things like uh, contact mail, code email uh, people. So one of the marketing tasks I have now and I do often is building open source plugin for the community and uh, and brand brand the open source plugin with the name of Capgo of the project. And because of that I, I get I, I got marketing, I got SEO and and I did coding, you know, I, I code and then it produced marketing. So then it's satisfaction. <laughs> Hello, Kat. You're going to be on YouTube. Are you ready? 
I, I think uh, I don't have your mic anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go back. Uh, yeah, this is my cat. Just want to say hi. Um, now he's about to go. <laughs> he's just gonna sit here. But yeah, um, like it's so. What what you mentioned is like tr focusing on different a acquisition channels, and it it, it certainly works um, in in really interesting ways. So I talk to like different people who have, are, are doing similar things like you are. For example, one common thing is, say say you're building a a product regarding maybe like image processing, yeah. right? So you're building a product for image processing and think of it as like some, some simple screenshot service that you just like upload an image and it makes it like pretty, add some maybe text to it, adds a background, does adds shadows and then it can just, I don't know, point arrows and stuff. Uh, for example, there are a couple of these on Twitter that I follow. I think Jim is building Man, I'm really bad with names. I forgot what the product was called. But he's building one, and no his marketing strategy is that, or uh, one of his marketing strategy is that, and this is aside from like the the product led growth. Oh, right, what's this is aside from the the product led growth and and what's included in the product is that they go out and build these tiny tools. For example, a tiny tool for creating mesh gradient, or a, or a tiny tool for creating like SVG patterns, yeah. or creating. I don't know, color palettes and putting them on, 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 on their website. So people who search for these specific stuff, so say you're searching for SVG gradient, you find this thing and then on the banner or something, they're like, oh, you may also want to use our screenshot tool. So that's like kind mm. of advertising by yeah. creating side projects, um, which is called, I think it's called engineering as marketing on Twitter. That's what they refer to. What what you mentioned as like building plugins oh. so that they would bring in traffic to your product. Yeah, that do make sense. I, I never think about that, but yeah, I've seen that many times. Like uh, one of the websites I use the most is like uh, to know uh, exa um, color to see how it look like. And uh, it's a product, um, different product, uh, but they, they just made this and they bring them a lot of traffic. So it's very good for SEO. I will think about that, how I can do that for Capacitor. Hey, I, I had to feed the cat. He was like okay. yelling over here. <laughs> so I, I kind of muted myself so you don't hear the dispenser because the dispenser plays this like sound in the background to like let him know that his food has been dispensed. So I didn't want that to be recorded. Oh, okay. But yeah, so like, um, I, I also tried that. I built a, um, I have two tools that I built as a engine, like kind of for market acquisition. The, the most recent one was, was that Gislip. It's like a, it's pretty much a pretty UI on top of OpenAI that you ask it programming questions. Like how do I create a for loop in JavaScript? And it gives you the snippet that you're looking for. So pretty much what ChatGPT did then in a much better way because they have unlimited resources. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that one I built and shared on Reddit and people would go on this thing and like play around with it, like ask how do I do this thing in JavaScript or how do I do this thing in MATLAB or C, C++. And then I just have like a small footer that says powered by Logsnag or, or like built by Logsnag or something. So people who search for this thing or people who share it are pretty much kind of sharing a path to the product. And, and that is a really valid way of doing um, marketing. But then on the other hand, it becomes this problem where like developers are now focusing on these side projects and they think they're not, not that they think, but they're like, they're spending their time building stuff 
and they think it's for marketing, but it doesn't necessarily work out all the time. So it's 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 also like a trap that you got to be careful not to fall into. Yeah, you know, if like just be the if you're tech, spending a lot tech, of time on these, yeah. yeah, just building, building, and then you think that this is again engineering as marketing, but sometimes it just doesn't work that way. And you it's just having fun as actually <laughs> as engineering. Yeah, there are a couple of these that I have on my to do list that I want to build, and there's this like one that is is way on top. And I think a lot of people would have a use for, but I've been stopping myself from falling into that trap because I know it's going to take me like a week or so to build it the way I want to. And I, my backlog for Logsnag is really long right now. <laughs> yes, because it's an yeah. amazing project and so, you have a lot of feedback, dude. So that's normal. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, the feedback. And then the problem with it is that it's, it's growing really big. Um, and now, like... I'm to the point that I'm, it's funny. I never thought I would get to this point as an indie, but I'm writing like design docs. But I want to implement something new, which is kind of dumb. <laughs> when, so I'm like, I put, a, I open up a note and I start like writing down my design decisions and I'm like comparing different designs and just like getting really formal about it, which is, which is a new milestone for me because before this, I was like, I need to implement this. I'll just jump into the code and start yeah. implementing it. Now it's like design process, give it three days to think about it and then come up with two new ways, add those, give it another three days, send it to a bunch of customers, ask what they what they think, come back, think about it again, and then finally implement it. So <laughs> it's it's getting really interesting. Yeah, I, I believe like that's a normal path. I, I, I start to feel it myself also because like if you implement too fast then there are some customers say hey it doesn't work for me and you're like oh shit <laughs> why i did that and now others use it so you're like oh so what i'm doing <laughs> i'm developing two different features for two different kind of users so yeah yeah i i totally understand the point like also more and more i go and grow with cap go and uh, it's it's making rip um and unless i'm like pushing in production fast before i was pushing in production every day you know and now i start to push less <laughs> than every day because i want to figure out to be sure i want to have more tests so i'm making the the things harder i don't know you have tests automatic tests yeah um it's not 100 percent coverage because i have a lot of code yeah um, but every like important thing that's in the product, like everything that's not, hey, an API endpoint for pulling my profile account, everything that is not like, that's not it. Or product. Am I making sense? Like everything important that has like critical um, impact. That that does a critical thing in regards to the business. For example, the entire API ingestion pipeline that is end-to-end -end tested, right? Yeah. To make sure that no no log is dropped or, or nothing is dropped, say like the database goes down or like something in the middle goes down. But then every like everything that has a secondary priority or like a lower priority, for example, fetching my um, profile account or like maybe my settings, those are those are not good to go down, but they're not as important if they do right now. Yeah, yeah. So those are the stuff that I don't really test. Of yeah. course, it makes sense, but that's come. I test them in production maybe. Yeah, I, I have also test in production. Not, I have only test in production, you know, because I've seen like since I am using Superbase, like uh, setting setting the test uh, environment is a bit like uh, annoying. So I I have um, at one point I was like the easiest things to have a 
kind of testing for now it's in production already uh, end to end so that's what i did and this is connected to the status page so you can the users can know if there are something wrong so they don't need to ask me something is broken because they can see it <laughs> and that that's also something do you have uh, automatization for the support and because for me it takes a lot of time to answer to people yeah no same here um and that's been something that i need to come up with a way to like handle because Locksnack has a freemium plan, meaning that I have a lot of users on the free plan. Ooh, yeah. So the number of emails that I get or the number of DMs that I get on Twitter is is significant. Another problem is that it's it's like scattered across different channels. Like I get emails, I get Discord messages, and I get Twitter DMs. And it's it's getting really out of hand, and I need to kind of like automate maybe like people who DM me and send them say like, hey, can you email me about this if I don't get back to you? Yeah. Or maybe send everyone to Discord. Mm, no, I don't think sending everyone to Discord is a good idea. But yeah, it's it's becoming a, quite problematic, and I need to find a way to fix it. Really, makes sense. Do do you have? And you said you don't have any automation. No, uh, no, no. I'm using uh, Crisp as a as a chat and support platform, and um, I connect a maximum of channel of of. On it. So lately, I was checking. Oh, I can connect Discord, for example, on it, and my Twitter to have um, to have everything redirect to that, and then I can handle that. And at one point, uh, have someone to help me doing it. Uh, but yeah, everything going crisp right now, and from crisp, I have access to, uh, for example, you, you know, um, you can send to crisp to the API like some uh, user data from the users. For example, I send the user ID uh, with a link. I have built a link to impersonate the user. So I have put that in crisp. And so when a user asks me, hey, my page doesn't work, so I can just click on his profile on crisp and directly open it, the link to see his account. So that, that, that's kind of automation I've made. Um, and other automation I've made is more about email when they have an error, for example, in the you, they, the update to the app doesn't work. Uh, I send an email say, hey, it didn't work, and you can check uh, on here where uh, why it doesn't work. You can have a, a blog article about that uh, and the documentation talking about it to try to prevent them to, to contact me. Uh, oh, I don't understand, it doesn't work. So that's where I try to automate things. Uh, yeah, mainly on on crisp, I put everything on on, on this platform. I didn't know you could. I, I have crisp on the web version of Logsnag. Yeah, and I've limited to people who've logged in, not on the landing page, which I think I should add. But I didn't know that you could connect your Twitter account to it. Um, did I hear that right? So you can like connect Twitter and then send DMs through crisp. Is that what you meant? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can connect a lot, a lot of uh, different field uh, into into crisp. They have a lot of integration. The problem is sometimes it's paid integration. Uh, but yeah. They have uh, they have many way of uh, getting the yeah Twitter DM. They have even Instagram DM, and uh, wow, I, I had no idea about it. Um, I may connect my Twitter. So the problem is, I get a lot of like people messaging me on my personal Twitter, and some of it is just friends, and some of it is like customer support. And then now there's a lot of spam. People trying to sell me Bitcoins. Yeah, yeah, I have that a lot um, too. So I don't know if like adding that to Crisp would make it easier. 
What I think the better thing is just tell people to not DM me about log snag on Twitter <laughs> because I may get back to them like later than I would if they were mes- messaging me. Sorry, if they had been messaging me on either Discord or Crisp. But yeah, I need to automate that. Again, I have a long list of things that I need to yeah. get to and fix this here, which is... Well, for, for Twitter, I think what, you, what is, you can do, it's easy. It's to disable people, uh, send you a message if you don't follow them. Uh, and then put the chat box uh, of Crisp visible, even logout of uh, Logsnag. Then people will naturally use the only tool available. Yeah, that's true. The problem, I don't, I don't think... Closing the DMs right now, it would be a good idea because I get a lot of interesting DMs. Yeah. Um, I don't want to close that video of people reaching out to me. But, yeah, again, I think adding crisp to the landing page would, would solve a, a, some portion of that. And then just maybe an auto-reply auto on Twitter DMs. Be like, hey, if I don't get back to you, or hey, if you if this is important, just reach reach out to me via this method because it's faster or more efficient yeah something like that i think would be a better alternative at least for here instead of just closing all the dms but i still have like messages in my twitter from a few days ago that i haven't replied back to which is which is really bad yeah yeah, i i totally understand you it's very complex to do that especially when you're solo like uh, you cannot be every yeah perfect on every every field so it's very complex I am wondering, like, um, because you were talking about the process of designing, like, technically, but I was wondering on the design uh, of the UI of your app. You do you do Figma stuff, or you design directly in coding? No, I use Figma. Um, my design process is, I I have an idea of what I want to build, right? So yeah. say run run out the landing page. Um, I'm redesigning the whole like marketing website. So every blog, every use case, every like SEO content, every, the playground, everything is being redesigned right now. I've been doing that for the past three weeks and it's been a pain, massive pain. <laughs> oh, you, so it's still not finished. <laughs> but the thing is, no, uh, the last thing is the playground. I, I, I've been designing a playground for the past two days over the weekend, but I'm still not finished with how I want it to look like. Okay. Because it, I'll, I'll get into the playground, yeah. but. The thing is, I throw it up on Figma, what I want. I start with like wireframing. Hey, there should be a box over here. Or there should be like a, a nav bar here. And then I just like go on building iteration after iteration. And I like build or design like 30 different versions of one thing. Okay, not entirely different, but like I design it and then duplicate it and then go change it and then duplicate it and change it yeah. until like I'm, I'm happy. And then I start, I start implementing it. And within three days, I'm like, I don't like this anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the the entire design process on on Figma, I it's much faster than designing with code. Designing with code just doesn't make much sense to me because I can just drag and drop something on Figma, but then in code you gotta like change I don't know twenty lines of code to make something look differently, and then you don't like it. Now you gotta delete it and start from scratch. Yeah. So design on Figma. Um, I view it on like different devices. So I design it on Figma and then I have like my phone open, I have a simulator open and then I have like a browser open and you can preview what you're designing as you're designing it. So that way I, I try to like mess around with it that way, but it's just like I, I start tweaking things I, until they look right to me. I don't like follow any design patterns or any UI kits or there's a word for it or any 
what was the thing? What is the design? Um, trans? No, not trans. There is a crap. I don't remember. But yeah, um, just pretty much put stuff up there. Started like tweaking it. And then one thing I've, I've been doing quite a lot is that I put up my designs on Twitter before implementing them. And I get tons of feedback, which is amazing. So mm. one thing, one thing amazing about Twitter is that I have like, which is, which is nuts. If you think about it, I have like people who are like lead designers at big companies, Twitter, GitHub, um, all these big companies, Google even are like, are friends with me or like following. And then if I put a design up, I get like legit feedback from people who are really good at what they do. And it's amazing. So I'm like, for example, the landing page, um, before implementing it, I, I think I've posted three different versions of the landing page, kind of doing A-B tests um, to see which one gets the more, like gets more eyes, which one gets more clicks. Yeah. And then also using the feedback that the people, people put in the replies as, as kind of like things that I have to do. So for example, I remember the first, the first landing page redesign got like 800 likes. I was like, holy wow. shit, this is a lot. And then I went back, changed a couple of things. And then the second one, I think, got 400 maybe. Okay. And I was like, ah, I did something wrong. Let's go back and change it. The hmm. third one got 1,500. Wow. And I was like, okay, this is... Yeah, yeah. So the third one was like, okay, this is the right path. <laughs> and then even like, I also measure like how many people end up signing up after posting these yeah which tells me like they've seen it on on this post on twitter they it has piqued their interest and maybe they, they realize okay they want to use it just from the hero section of the, the the picture that i posted and then they go and sign up so this last one for example had a high conversion rate very high conversion rate and then i just based my design off of that and i took all the comments and people who message me, it's funny, like I post a, mes I post a tweet and people like DM me with feedback and then apply that to the design. And then finally, when I'm like, oh, happy with it, I go and implement it. So it's it's like a collaborative process yeah, of that's cool. not me designing, but like a bunch of people helping me design, which is awesome. <laughs> I never think about that. Uh, I think for me, I should first uh, be confident with my design and really like uh, what I'm doing because for now I feel like I'm doing shit, so I'm doing fast and then I, I do something else. And uh, mainly the good design I have, it's or I have used templates or I've paid a freelancer to help me. Um, you paid for who? Uh, a freelancer, like uh, someone. Uh, oh, wait, really? Yeah. Which, let me open up, which part of it? Um... Is it your landing page or something? Uh, no, it's the uh, web app. The web app uh, dashboard is made by the freelancer. He was um, it was a, a mm. guy who contacted me on LinkedIn because he listened to my friend French podcast and he wanted to do an internship. So he did an internship and it was very good. Um, so after that, I employed uh, I employ him as a, as a freelancer and I, he will continue to work on it in January on the on the web app because he did a very good job. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Nice. You're also you're you're, you're employing people now. <laughs> a bit, a bit. That's that that's yeah. the ambition by the way, to be in open source. I want to let people participate on the task. Uh, they they say on GitHub I do it and uh, and then I sponsor them. So, now your landing pages, um, there are a couple of things that you can change here. 
Uh, I can let you know after this. <laughs> but it's. I just I just pulled it up here because it's been like maybe a couple of weeks since I looked at it, but I never looked at it as like a design perspective. I looked at it as a content perspective. The content's great. It just tells me everything I need to know about it. But does it also have like a dark mode and, and light mode? No, no, only only it's dark. Light. Yeah, for me, there are no option. <laughs> or dark mode or dark mode. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, no. Um, that is pretty much the design process for me. Um, I'll get back to you on the design thing here. I can we can go roast your landing page <laughs> sometime. Yeah, yeah, we can do that anytime. Yeah. It's 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 very good. Um, yeah. So yeah. Again, to to sum it up, Figma, bunch of iterations, send it to people, ask their feedback. That could include like DMing people. That could be um, sending maybe like preview links to people or even posting screenshots on Twitter, get the feedback and then, and, and measure things like how much, it, how much engagement is causing and engagement could be bad or could be good. Like if your design is really bad, people would like to come into replies and be like, Hey, this is utter garbage. So that doesn't just necessarily high engagement mean that your design is good. Yeah. And then take the feedback. Sometimes the feedback is not really great, right? It's just like, because again, it, it, design is subjective. Some people just don't like it. Um, or sometimes you're not targeting that kind of user and just make more iterations and end up putting it like on a product by, or sorry, the landing page. That is kind of my process right now. But I've, I've done this like throughout time. So it's, it's mainly a practice. For example, like I just go on Dribbble, look at people designing stuff. I, I, I'm really critical of, well, not critical, but I look at like different websites and focus on their design rather than the content, which a lot of people do. You just go open a website and just like read stuff. You don't really yeah. look for the design. Specifically, when the design's really good, it gets out of your way. Um, that just like, it's it's a good exercise for, for picking up, for picking those, diff, those stuff up. For example, websites like Apple. Apple has a very nice design if you look into the yeah. different pages, except except those scroll animations. I hate those scroll animations. I agree, agree. But they're like, yeah. But they 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 break they break down content and then they focus on like what's important because they know people are lazy to read entire paragraphs, or the new like the new trend in like the the whole landing page design. For example, Linear has done a whole redesign. Um, who else has done a redesign? Huh. Planet Skill has done a redesign, and and most of these have really good ideas. You know, you can always take inspiration from ide these yeah. ideas, but I mean, not copy those, but just see. Okay, they're using a lot of white space here, and then they're, they're they're using these tricks to focus on specific elements that they want the user to focus on, and it just like over time, these just add up, and you don't have to be like a designer to kind of understand how to make something look good, if that makes sense. Uh, it depends for which developer you're talking to, huh? <laughs> I have uh, <laughs> no. I've seen like I'm not the only one who is struggling in design, for example, and having very uh, like not not the eye for that. I think you need to very like go on the subject and try to understand like what is a good design, why you like it, why you are able to read it, why like that's that's catch your eyes, and that things when when you are like not interested in the subject like you don't you don't get it you know it's like uh, uh imagine you you go to 
a big uh, wine uh, one yard or something because I'm French, so I talk about wine, of course. And uh, you 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 try uh, the most expensive uh, wine uh, from the wine yard, and you will don't see the difference. You know, even everyone tell you that's the best one, you are not educated for that, so you don't understand it even very well. You see what I mean? Oh, for sure. I I don't think every engineer should learn design. I think everyone should learn to a degree because it, it's really important. Yeah. Like it, it even helps you with like writing code, right? It, 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 I don't know if I'm trying to phrase this properly, but it teaches you how to like write cleaner code to some degree, if that makes sense, or even like present your code or present your ideas because everyone, like even engineers end up building slides and building, end up building like presentations of their ideas in one way or another. Yeah. And it it, it, it it plays a significant role if you know how to present ideas in a better way. You don't have to go and design landing pages. You don't have to go and design mobile apps. But then just knowing like the basics of color, for example, don't put green on top of a red background. That's that's not a good don't idea. Don't burn the eyes of people. <laughs> or, yeah, and like understand the hierarchy of text right like people who start reading from usually top and the biggest element to the smallest one to the bottom right and if you mess up with that hierarchy it's not it's not like it makes the 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 scanning process more difficult meaning that people are now have to like put their brain power into figuring out what to read and how to read instead of the content that you're presenting so i feel like even like as is like a really basic uh, basics of typography, color and like spacing. You know what I'm saying? Like even those basics can can significantly better your your presentations. Now whatever they are, it doesn't have to be like a fully fledged landing page design or a product design. But I feel like to that degree it's important in our field and almost every field, right? I, I I've had professors back in college who would put these slides together that I couldn't for the life of me read like again green on uh, red background and it just sticks out to me because i'm trying to focus and like the the material is already annoying as hell and then i have to like zoom in and then get really close and then do random stuff to be able to read this thing um it it makes it really annoying so yeah like very basics of it are stuff that everyone i think should pick up to some degree because it's 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 really helpful in different um in almost anything, like anytime you want to visualize something or you want to present some idea, because all of us end up presenting ideas, right? Um, at least to that, the very basics of it is really useful. And then if, if it's something that you're interested in, which I understand a lot of people are not interested in, um, it's just something that comes with practice from my experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's something I've seen which have helped me a lot. It's like, when, when you try to, to share something to make people understand, to sell what you're doing, it's like sometimes you want to explain a lot about uh, how it's made or you, you get you know too complex into the subject. And what I've felt it is very useful is sometimes like try to, as a, you know the rule on presentation is like one subject, uh, one thing is presenting, not too many words, like not long sentences. So kind of do a simple presentation as a three years old could, could read it. And if you think like, think like that, it can help you to have something at least usable 
It's not like the best beautiful things uh, you're gonna share to your users, but at least they will understand what you want to say. <laughs> That's the minimum you can do. Yeah, and and I think design is something specifically in developer tools. So um, you're building a developer yeah. tool. I'm building a developer tool to some degree. Non-developers can use Logsnag, and I have people who are not developers using it. Like for example, the no-code builders or business people or like marketing people who want to just like use their data. But specifically in the dev tools, it's something that is quite undervalued or um, something that people don't really put too much attention on. So if you go look at like the whole general like main dev tools, like analytics tools, login tools, um, even IDEs, to some degree you can see that these tools are designed by engineers, not by designers. And engineers like are not necessarily good at design that, that's why like we have we have like complicated uis we have uis with like tons of options you get all these buttons all over the place and you don't know how they work aws dashboard <laughs> yeah yeah like that is that is one of the things like for example i also go to cloudflare i use cloudflare and they're much better than aws but now they have too many options going on and it's like really confusing to use and that is like one of the issues and with Logsnag, that's been something that I've been trying to do differently, even though it's something that gives you a lot of power specifically with what's being added to it right now. But every part of it, I try to make as simple as, pro as possible while maintaining that power in there, right? You can still customize it if you're a power user. But for me, most users don't really care about having 20 options. It, it does nothing by con other than confusing them and moving their focus from what's important. Like if you're looking at analytics or looking at the charts, you don't want to look at 200 buttons right at the same time. Yeah. And that is something that I've seen lacking in this market. And now I'm seeing products that are coming out like new startups that are now realizing, okay, we could differentiate entirely in this market just by having a better user experience or just by having a better UI. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying that's their only moat or that's the only selling point, but that is one of the biggest factors. For example, with Logsnag, I get a lot of emails right now, users asking, hey, I'm using Minxpanel, I'm using Google Analytics. Um, even though I know Logsnag is not built for this, it has an entirely different use case. Yeah. But I would love to pay more or buy an add-on that would let me to do like these kinds of analytics or track my web usage just because those tools are really confusing and I don't know how to use them, <laughs> you know? It's just, they just like... Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I get a lot of that these days. They're like, hey, can you let me like track this certain thing that Logsnag is not designed for because the, the tool that's available for it, it just doesn't work or it's, I don't know how to use it and stuff like that. And that's where I realized that, okay, a lot of... A lot of these markets, specifically like email, email is one that I talk about a lot. Most email tools are, are are confusing as hell. Like even as a developer, I find it really confusing to go in, set up the DNS stuff, configure the email flow, the, the drip, yeah. whatever thing is called, build the templates and make sure it's like being sent properly. All of those is like super confusing because these businesses try to cover every user. And once you try to cover every user, then it's not built for any user, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So, for example, if you're trying to cover the 10% the power users, then you're adding a lot of stuff that the other 90% are not going to be able to have, know how to use. Um, and then if you're building for the, the, the lower 90%, 
shit, I, I lost my train of thought. My, my point was that if you focus on either one of these sections, you can build a product specifically for them and they, they would know much better how to use them. But once you try to cover all of these people, then you build a product that is really hard to use for both of these groups of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I like with makers. It's like most of makers choose a niche and by choosing a niche, if they are keeping like uh, not not wanting uh, a million of money, they will just do a, a fabulous product because they, they are like specific on the niche. And I really like, for example, for emailing, I, I, am, I have definitely this experience. I dislike every platform I have used. So I have decided to don't use emailing platform. I am using the email feature of Crisp, which is why way more well better design and simple than any user other tool I've seen. So I have choose to use like a like the marketing automation in Crisp because I didn't want uh, a stupid like uh, product who can do um, thousands of things where I just want to send emails four emails in my platform because I don't like emails <laughs> and, and yeah I, I totally understand your point and, and sometimes I've been disappointed by uh, by tools who are like uh, very good and niche and at one point they become very big and they decide to open the niche like bigger and wider and then the product gets shit it's like not good as it was before yeah that is that is definitely a, a, a common problem so with like for example in my case um I have tons of features built into Logsnack that are not, they're working for me. Yeah. They're not public for users. Um, and, and that is mainly because I, I'm not happy with how they look or how they function. And I'm not, I'm not yet like ready to make them public. Mm. And that is that it, it's mainly for the same purpose. And, and what we talked about before, does it, is it a use case that most people want to use or is it like targeted towards like 10% of my users? Second, is it something that people are want to use? And is it well designed to, to like some standard that I have for the product? Or is it something that... I'm trying to... It, it's hard to kind of turn these thoughts into words. <laughs> no, no, no. I, but I, I, pretty much along those lines of like not being 100% happy with some feature and just stopping myself from like publishing them until I'm either happy or just disregard them entirely. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it, it do make sense. Uh, I tend to don't have a lot of feature in, in CapGo, for example. So everything uh, for me is released. But sometimes I um, what I'm doing is uh, I postpone the documentation uh, and then uh, only when people ask the problem, I tell them, eh, that's it, this is just undocumented, that's all you can do to have feedbacks. Um, but yeah, otherwise most of the things are, are I'm more um, using the, I don't know if you know the um, shape up uh, from uh, DDH, the guy uh, from uh, Basecamp uh, A. Um, they they have um, they have wrote uh, a kind of ebook about the, their methodology what they call shape up it's like they they design something like the base of a design of uh, some things and they start to use it uh, like that even it's not finished uh, don't look finished to be able to have feedbacks and to know fast if they need to drop it or not so that's a bit like what you're doing but for, with yourself and I like to do that more publicly and I. I push something. I don't know if it work. It will work for everyone. It's not 
really finished to be usable. It's not the best design, but I get feedback and then I know if I have to drop it or not. Like la lately, I did that for um, in in Capgo. The people as uh, are using Capgo. Um, each time a new user uh, get an update, they, that's increase the total user base, and the limit is based on that. And I got uh, many feedbacks about people having a CI/CD or developers using a lot the. Uh, the usage, making the usage get bigger because that's developers and that's during the development phase and people were a bit unhappy about that so I decided to have, have a try and see if I can filter that for users so I ship it but it was not completely finished some statistics don't count that, some others yes and, and then I saw like it's mainly go getting to a more disaster because if I start to don't count certain of uh, of data, where while the data are sent by the device, I will have like to check if people are not cheating and stuff like that. So I, I will roll back and say, okay, no, sorry, everyone is gonna be counted uh, because I cannot do that. <laughs> I will like make my life simpler, and I don't want to maintain like a complex pipeline of filtering the data. It's like all your data, all is counted, and and maybe later it will be different, but so yeah, that's uh, that's the shape up idea, and yeah, and you're doing that also with yourself, which is fun because you are your first user. Yeah, um, th there are a couple of reasons why I cannot like just push these out to users is because removing features is is kind of hard once people get used to using it, right? Because you release like a idea or something that you're uh, experimenting with and some users and you like release it to 10% of the users and they started using it really like quite a lot and now removing it is kind of hard if they really like the, the idea right um, which which means you should continue working on it but then maybe like only 10% are using it a lot and then the other 90% don't really care about it now you have to maintain another feature and potentially implement backwards compatibility for like the previous version as you're implementing or changing things. So like as things start growing, it gets quite difficult. Um, and that's why one of the reasons I'm like being really critical about like, okay, what do I release further than just using for myself? Yeah. And then, right, like once I'm happy with it to that regards, on the, I then start like A-B testing and you know, releasing to some sort of people and then imp growing it further. It's just like, I guess the more crazy ideas is what I keep keep from releasing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like things that are significantly new rather than just like minor patches or like, hey, let's change how this thing is working rather. Uh, so you're talking that is like you're talking about the idea you told me like uh, in me in message like I have a crazy idea and then I didn't saw it. So it's like it was too crazy to to share it. There, there again, yeah. There are a couple of things like this that I haven't published. Um, they're ready to go. I just need to push the build out, or merge the merge the branch yeah. so that um, it's now available for everyone, not just my development environment. But yeah, it's like some of these change the direction of a product if you think about it, right? Specifically, man, like like for my product, it's very. It's relatively generic in terms of that you can use it for a lot of different purposes. So I got to be really critical about each thing that I'm adding because it could push it towards a specific direction, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah. 
I, you know what I'm saying? I can add it like there are certain features that I can add and it would kind of reshape the how the product should be. Yeah, like like if you do feature like look like Mixpanel or feature like Mixpanel does, then you're going to be a clone of Mixpanel instead of more generic uh, tool. No, 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 not that. No, I'm not saying that. No. Um, so there's 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 there sides to it that can expand for example analytics side of Locksnack is going to expand very soon um people want to do more with their data and that is going to be soon available so then you can create different charts or put maybe alerts on top of it and tr and and do more dynamic analytics that doesn't mean it has anything to do with with, with like with mixed panel but then i'm saying if i add like what is a good example here that I can tell you without spilling beans about what I'm building? It's <laughs> fine. It's a podcast. You will not be public so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, like, if I add maybe something that is used for, like, that is commonly wanted for people who are building mobile apps, right? Yeah. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. If I add a feature that is targeted for people who are building mobile apps, now it's going to go into this direction of mobile app analytics rather than what it is right now. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So depending on, like, the stuff you keep on adding, it could really change the the perception of the product and what it does. For example, if, if you build a bunch of integrations with, like, almost every tool, now you're, like, competing with Zapier. <laughs> you know what yeah. I was it, it, it's it's kind of tricky so that's why I've been like very very careful about what I put out there I don't want to change the path I, like I, okay not that I don't want to change the path I don't want a specific add-on to change the path without me being certain of it yeah it's like you, and you, I want you it want to be to something do that, that consciously and not like uh, oh fuck exactly I become that. absolutely yeah. yeah it do make sense yeah that and also um, the problem with like how things start to get bloated is when you have, when you build fe features that only 10% of the people use, because if you think about like you have 20 different features and each one only 10% use, and th these 10% are not necessarily the same 10%. Now you have a bloated product and everyone who wants to use this product, maybe you have 20 offering and they only use five of it. Now the thing is entirely bloated because they cannot use the other 15 or they don't have a use case for it so it's just sitting there in their in their face and it just makes everything really confusing that's why i've been trying to like make sure whatever i add is 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 covering the majority of our users right now yeah at least for now that is like the, the idea and how you get sure about that like you go to ask people or what's your process to be sure like uh, you're not targeting 10 percent so I right now I build stuff based on the number of requests that I get mainly. There there are crazy stuff that I come up with, but those are not necessarily requested. That's why I don't publish them. Okay. But then I keep track of the feedback that I get. And I mainly build them based on the number of recurring requests that I get for something. For example, one of the recurring requests that I'm getting right now is for people to be able to import historical data. So right now whatever you import to Logsnag is um, is tagged by the time you send it to us. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people are asking, okay, can I import like the past year worth of data? So I can like, I can populate those user journeys or I can populate the charts. Um, 
that is something that I've gotten a lot of requests for. So I'm, I'm like, that is literally up on my to-do list for next year. Or sorry, next couple of weeks. Yeah, that's Next year sounds like a long time from now. <laughs> yeah, that is going to be really, it's going to be really helpful for people who want to migrate to Logstack. Yeah. If you have your data into some other tool, you don't want to start like from today, but you want to be able to like import everything that you have had in the past. Um, that is one thing. Another thing is, what was it? I forgot. <laughs> oh, another thing is webhooks. Being able to like, being able to forward any webhook to Logsnag and then kind of describe the template of that webhook. So now you can have any sort of tool send events to Logsnag without you having to create an integration or without me having to create an official integration, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. For example, if you're using, if you, for example, if you're using Stripe or using um, some sort of like tally or some sort of form tool, there, most of these have outgoing webhooks for when you get a event. But the problem with webhook is that they are, first of all, everyone has their own schema. There is no proper standard. Um, so pretty much accepting those, mapping it to how a log looks in Logsnag in an easy way, and then pushing it to users is, is something that I've gotten a lot of requests for, and it's something that's definitely going to come soon. So pretty much like prioritizing these feedback based on a number of occurrences and based on how based on how common they could be used if if that makes sense and i don't have a proper like policy for it there is no proper math or or a process that i go through to do this it's just based on talking to a lot of customers and yeah. knowing what they use like snack for and whether they could also use this if that makes sense yeah it does it does it does i understand the process do you have um you you say you wrote it somewhere so you have a notion or something or you keep track of that Apple notes. <laughs> I tried using these different, like the different productivity tools. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just, I never got into like the habit of really using one. Like I, for example, I started giving linear a try two weeks ago, but then just wasn't worth it for me. Like the overhead is not much. It's not worth like a solo dev, at least where I am. I just like to write my stuff down on a paper or on Apple Notes and then put a bunch of like information right next to it for me to remember. But I don't need like a productivity tool to help me like structure these right now because I'm a single like developer. Yeah. But maybe I'm just not doing a good job of using that. Um, it could also be entirely me. No, no, no. I think for me, I totally agree with the fact like uh, I cannot, um, I cannot have a complex pipeline you know like i just went to linear uh, website and i'm like too complex you know I, I need something simple so what i do uh, right now it's since i'm open source is like everything is based on uh, github issue uh, when i think about mm -hmm. it uh, if i like if i cannot do a task straight away i put it in github issue if i do it straight away I just don't don't write it somewhere and i'm just working on it so I keep the this organization as simple as possible because I truly believe more you are having organization things like productivity, like what is supposed to be productivity as a solo maker, it's unproductive because you're not building, you're not selling, you're not marketing, contacting people. So that's task who maybe are good for the long run, but for me, they don't provide value. 
So I tend to have a, as less as possible of them uh, and a simple uh, pipeline. Uh, does it make sense? Yeah. At the end of it, it's just like mainly what works, works. Um, yeah. And for me, it's just simple. Like text, I can do everything in a text-based um, file. For now, um, it, it's been sufficient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it makes it make totally sense for me. And that's that was the part of the question. It's like, Globally, how you organize yourself to be sure like you have space for doing everything and that's keeping like your system simple. I think this is the be the biggest part of the iceberg than if you want to be a solo maker is to have a simple system to have the space to do the important things and be sure you're not like uh, losing your day like by overthinking about what you're doing instead of just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that makes sense. Um, I'll definitely let you know if I switch to another productivity tool that that made it easier for me to do things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, I got a. I was just checking. I got a meeting coming up in ten minutes. Um, yeah. So we, we are fine. Um, if you don't we mind. Are, yeah, we can be done right now. It's uh, one hour twenty. We did good job. We I think we we <laughs> talk about the question. It was great. Um, thank you a lot. Uh, for your time hey thank you very much um this is fun I'm, I'm trying to do better with these podcasts i'm definitely not good at them yet so if you end up l let me watch this once it's out and then i'll practice a little more well not practice but see what i did what, what i could do better and then we can go for round two <laughs> <laughs> whenever you're ready yeah of course of course but i don't i don't believe in that i don't believe you are like not so good it's like it's a conversation. You are you are yourself, and being yourself, usually you do a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But hey, no, this this was fun. Um, I'm glad we, we. It's also interesting. We we never had a meeting before. We should do that more often. Yeah, man. yeah, that's that's um, something we should uh, do. Usually, my um, the podcast is my excuse to meet people, and then I I, I meet more often. Uh, them, <laughs> it's like. Uh, <laughs> I I have. I have office hours for that. I have this like Calendly link for um, for what is it called for for Logsnag office hours. Okay. And then it's it's supposed to be for like people who want to use Logsnag and they have questions or whatnot. But then I just get them like for for a bunch of different purposes and they're like very fun. <laughs> so um, you should give that a try. Just put up like if you have time, put up a Calendly link. Maybe like one day a week, and then you start getting like a bunch of people oh. scheduling them. Like I think I have another one tomorrow, and I have one coming up right after this, and it's fun. Sometimes people want to like talk about their product and see how they can use yours, or they have questions. Sometimes you get like annoying people who just like schedule stuff and never show up. That's really annoying. Oh, yeah. But aside from that, I've, I've I've had really good experience with it. So it's something that I highly suggest if you have the time. Okay, I will do that just after our call then. Thanks for that, man. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But hey, thank you very much. Um, you oh, it's also night over there. I totally forgot. You have a good night, man. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 23, uh, almost midnight on my side. So I, I will work a bit and then I will go to sleep. But thanks a lot for yeah, that. Set up that uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I would say also thank you for the listener. It was uh, cool to have you here. And if you have liked this podcast, you can send uh, love to Cheyenne on Twitter. This is very cool to have feedbacks. Like uh, it was useful for people. 
You can also for me and give me feedback on Twitter either. I think that's the best platform for me working for that. And I tell you, like, uh, see you next week. Bye. Yep. Thank you very much. <laughs> Talk to you later. Goodbye.